There are so many amazing free plugins available for download right now to help you with your production and mixing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash plugins to download and get access to a bunch of free and premium plugins on Plugin Boutique. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Lugio. I'll take it. You know what? I still play Yu-Gi-Oh. I play it in between yeah, bounces. Yeah, you, you do. And I saw it one time. Like, you left your PS PlayStation, your PS4 on. Yep. And we came into the studio when you left it on, and we're like, what's this? It was in the pause menu, and we went back, and you're like, wait, this is Yu-Gi-Oh! Yep. I'm, still, <laughs> I'm just as much a Yu-Gi-Oh! fan as I am a Pokemon fan. There you go. That's incredible. I Pokeo. remember when... I remember when uh, we used to pretend like we know how to play Yu-Gi-Oh! and just traded cards and make up rules on the spot <laughs> in elementary school, middle school. But yeah, today's a, a good episode. Um, we're excited uh, to talk about this one because it's a very important one. Um, we're going to talk about the importance of, or like tips and tricks when mixing your own songs. Yeah. Either you recorded them yourself or you're the artist and you've somehow taken on the task of recording. Sometimes it's uh, inevitable, as in like uh, this is how you always do it. It's you know. it's it's cost efficient, or um, I don't know whatever whatever reason it may be. Um, I think that you're a perfectionist. Yeah, you're you're just a perfectionist. Whatever it is, um, there is recently. I mean, this happens all the time when people send me some feedback or mixes for feedback or clients and they mix themselves. And like, I work with a couple of producers, right? And, uh, they send me a couple songs to mix and one of them is their own. And the other one is for somebody else. And oftentimes, um, when I'm able to listen to both songs that they've mixed for somebody else sound dramatically better than the songs that they mix from themselves. For Absolutely. Themselves. It's this weird phenomenon that we have. Um, and, uh, we, we continue to, uh, we have this growing need for doing our own mixes to save costs as, as the industry becomes much more competitive, but there's this huge divide in, 
in our kind of our quality and our trust when we mix our own stuff. There's this phenomenon that goes on. So today we're going to address that and talk about tips and tricks to kind of overcome that and help get better mixes when you're mixing your own stuff. And do you think, I don't think, um, I think some people will say, if at all possible, uh, do never mix your own music. But honestly speaking, as far as like, efficiency goes and as far as business goes if you do it yourself you don't have to wait for anybody else um but i think that doing it yourself is definitely a different skill than for mixing for somebody else and we're talking about an, a conscious skill versus a you know you have better hearing skill because i feel like the biggest reason that a lot of people sh- not that they shouldn't mix themselves but it's because we're too far up our own you know say it say it <sighs> damn it we're too far up our own ass when it comes to thinking that <laughs> we know what's best for our sound and that we're not willing to take outside opinion in. And uh, how many times have you gone on a record to like do some light touch mixing, like just clean it up, make it sound better, and then you listen to it and you're like, wow, that sounds terrible. And they're like, yeah, I mixed it to 95%. I just need you to give it that extra 5%, but that extra 5% they think they're going to get is actually like, bro, you're only at like 30%. Like you... Maybe you, do you want me to just completely mix this? Yeah, like, and and I think you're so far off the map that like if I do give you a dramatically different mix, you might reject it out of demoitis. So there's I would say that there's three scenarios and I'm going to try to I'm going to title them before I move on to describe them. First okay. scenario is you love everything too much. Like you you love your song too much and, and your second and the production too much. The second thing is demo-itis where you're mm. really torn on the demo. And the last thing is often um, you're, you, uh, you're too conservative. So let's, let's go with okay. the first one, yeah. which is you love your production too much. This is a common example that I see. Um, a good mix does not allow everything to be heard at all times. That is a boring mix. It is yep. not good. A great mix is like a magician working his magic. They're kind of distracting you with a set of sounds over here while slowly introducing something over here. When there's a little bass riff that goes on, maybe you drop everything else and raise the bass. You know, uh, uh, you automate the volumes. You let things shine and you let specific parts of the production shine more than others constantly and you change it up constantly throughout the mix let me ask you would you say that's more of a mix decision when mixing your own records or overall because i feel like that's also a production it is definitely a production thing yeah Um, but this i would say that this is more of a problem in like rock bands yeah yeah. where it's like songwriting and production is big but like in hip-hop the kick drum for the chorus is oftentimes a totally different track and sample than the kick drum and the verses so I'm not saying that that's right, but I am saying that production and arrangement is a lot more flexible in hip-hop modern pop stuff than it is for a band. The band, the band it's like the only thing you can do is, is play louder <laughs> yeah. or not play at all. Like the, this, um, so I think that this is more of a band scenario. Right? You love everything too much. And, and this also goes into play the second point, which is demoitis. Can you explain what demoitis is, Lou? Uh, have you ever had a record that you've been holding on to for, let's say, not even years? You just had it for a week. You listen to it over and over and over and over again to the point where it's so ingrained in you that you love the record that any any type of alteration to the record is always already a negative effect. No matter if it's going in the right direction or if it's going left, it is seen as an equally bad 
move. You're so in love with where the production stands and the feel that you got from it that you're just not willing to listen to a new version of it, whether it be better or worse. You've lost objectivity completely. Exactly. We're so, too far up our own you-know-who. Uh, so I think that this is often common for any artist. I would say this is more on the artist, and it does. this is not a genre-specific or instrumentation-specific thing. This, this is, is just human nature. Uh, if we... And this is why labels make such a big deal of keeping the master record. For example, for anybody that's complained about getting swindled out of records and stuff, at any given point, they're allowed to record their same exact songs, but re-record them and create a new master record. The reason why that that it's not as popular, and every single time a remastered or a remixed version of a song is not as popular as the original, is because tone tones create a specific memory, spark a yep. specific memory. So... When someone gets really attached as a consumer to the original master recording, mm -hmm. and then they re-release Earth, Wind, and Fire's September to be to up to more modern standards, people are going to hate that version of September and say that the original is better, even though it's technically inferior. You know, and and, and it's because it's a memory. So when you, the last thing that you should do if you create your own art, and you have to do this to a certain degree, maybe not have to. Um, in fact. I'm going to take back what I said completely. I don't think you have to, and I don't think you should. A lot of artists um, love to critique themselves and listen to their own demo or their own songs 100 times and try to nitpick every single small little thing. Um, I would say uh, part of this is kind of a little bit of a narcissistic tendency. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, but it's also like for good reason too. You're trying to critique yourself. But I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, you've lost, you're losing objectivity every single time. Objectivity every single yep. time you listen to it. And it's not going to be good if you're hiring someone out or if you're trying to mix your own records. So to prevent this issue, we recommend, and Lou talked about, I said, at least wait till you mix a song. Wait, give it 24 hours since the last time you heard it to mix it. I said give it a week if timeline is not an issue. If you just recorded the song today, and you don't even have a set date. And you're to listening actually, to it every day. Yeah. Give it, if you can, like a, a few week. days or a week since the last time that you listened to it. You'd be surprised. Half the time you might be like, ah, I could have made that take better. So, Or, you know what? I really need to clean up the mid-range and the vocals. Like Now that I heard it compared to all the other records I love, and I came back to this one with fresh ears, I'm not so in love with the sound of it. And I think that this is, this is again, the reason why it's important that it's since the last time you listened to it is because if you recorded and produced it and finished it, bounced the demo, and you've been listening to the track every single day, even if it's not on your studio monitors, you've been listening to the track every single day, and then even that morning when you're getting ready to mix the track because it's been a week and you've been listening to that song that morning, you've lost all that objectivity. Like, it's got to be a week. Like, you kind of have to forget about the song and kind of totally reset. But at the bare minimum, I think I love waiting full 24 hours and not listening to it. And you know what? It's way easier to not listen to a track and reset if it's not your own music. I don't listen exactly. to my client's music most of the time outside of the studio. So that's why it's a little bit easier, and that's why part of the reason why. Same thing with the earlier thing about loving your production too much um, and getting – this is another thing, too. Take a break. Don't listen to it. I think that's that's a huge thing. And the third topic that I want to complete going to go over is uh, is the idea of being too conservative. Oftentimes, when you mix your own records, you since you've lost objectivity and you care too much, you are emotionally attached to this baby, this idea baby of yours, 
that you're no longer experimenting and trying things and going to the extremes of things where now um, how your EQ looks and how crazy it looks is going to affect you much more than if you're mixing for somebody else. If you're mixing for Absolutely. somebody else, how your EQ looks and what your EQ, what your meters are running are not going to phase you half as much as if it's your own baby. So uh, this is part of demo-itis, as Lou said, or as, as Lou was saying off mic. Um, I think that this is a, a big deal. Um, and this is the, one of the main reasons why sometimes it's better to really just take a week off, get back to it, or hire someone else to do it. Um, because Even if you want them to provide you with final stems at the end of it, you know what I mean? Like at, at the very least, uh, you could get an external opinion have them do what they think is going to be best and have them send you the session back. That way you still have control over it, but at least somebody gave you an honest third-person view on the sound of it. Yeah. And most importantly, if you're asking for feedback, a couple things, make sure you ask the right person for feedback. Yep. Um, there's two types of people that you want to ask. One, a consumer, someone like a friend, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a spouse, whatever, Someone that's not really a professional. Your pet. And if you ask a professional for feedback, the last person that you want to ask is someone whose mixes you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I won't say you should ask someone who's better than you because that's also subjective. But make sure you ask someone whose mixes you like. Uh, and don't ask them just because they're a friend in the industry. And if you don't know their mixes, they probably have a portfolio. Go look it up. If they don't have a portfolio, uh, then I would say that they're too inexperienced to give proper technical feedback. To be honest, personal recommendation, ask somebody you don't know who has no emotional tie to you. Because if uh, I think I made a post about this either today or yesterday. Um, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, if you know somebody, generally you're trying to be polite. And you're not trying to hurt their feelings too much. But if you have no emotional attachment to somebody, it's a lot easier for you to just be brutally honest. And sometimes that's all we need to hear. Like if it was a bad recording, I want you to know it was a bad recording. <laughs> if it's a great recording, I'm going to let you know it's a great recording. But the reality is I don't want to spare your feelings or else I'm not giving you the information you honestly asked me for. So on that note, like, and all of this, to be honest, the more we think about it, the more we talk about it, all three points, the idea of, of trying to have everything heard at once and not being able to have that bias or that objectivity to let things be less heard, right? And the second point was demoitis, like getting too super attached to losing out. Third is, is, um, being too be conservative, being too conservative. Like these are all things that can be negated with time yep. truly time and and i would say that this is a big problem with independent artists i don't know why this is a thing and i well i think i can guess we, why we because we're human why humans like well, this happens all the time we finish a record we mix it and before they have any sort of revisions or even if they before they even approve of the mix they've already put it on distro kid they've already yep. put it online and scheduled it out this is a bad idea what you want to do is, is, I mean, forget the marketing part, right? Where you, you spend time to actually give love, tender love and care to a record um, and hype it up before, it, forget that part. I'm talking about the production. I'm talking about the mixing. Like, you, you got to give it time. And, and if you give it too much time, that's bad as well. 
Like you don't want to just sit on it. But at the same time, sitting on it is especially worse if you've been listening to it every single day and you keep sitting on it. You know, um, but what you don't want to do is all of a sudden just release it. No, no willy nilly. You yeah. know, and once you put it out, like you could take it down again. But if the bigger the artist you are, the more more uh, potential damage that does as well. Oh yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, just take the time. That's all you could really do, and give like let it refresh. Give it a week. I, I love like because I mix my own records all the time. So I do a lot of like songwriting and production, and for these like label cats, right? And when I do this, like I'm also an engineer by trade. So I record myself and my vocals and I mix myself and my vocals and part like I've gotten a lot better over the years of doing it myself but if I had the time to and I take a few days off or a week off and come back to it I can mix my own voice a lot more subjectively oh yeah I was listening to old mixes of mine from my old band and uh yeah not all of us have to be the loudest thing in the mix that is the biggest thing. Also, if your drummer doesn't know how to play quietly or plays too loud, fire them immediately because that will save you years of pain and tears and agony. I hate to admit this, but in the past, we did have the engineer play the drums on a song after the drummer recorded. Really? Yes. I. Was it not because my, of not his? My, not my proudest is, historic is it his, moment. Is it his uh, engineer's? Like, who who said it? So we were all friends, and he didn't hear the record until we played it on radio at an interview that we were at for radio. So as we were listening to it, he noticed something was off. And then he noticed it wasn't him on the record. Oh. <laughs> not, not my proudest moment, and I... Wholeheartedly, was it was the new drums better? Regret that. Was it the new drums better though, subjectively? <laughs> yes, absolutely. For the record, uh, the so he's song, like, I the don't drum this good. End result was better, but emotionally speaking, I, I felt like a, that was a dark day. <laughs> and if you think about it from a professional standpoint, <laughs> no, professional standpoint, the record actually benefited from it. Just when you when you start getting too attached, but when you're friends and you're doing it as a hobby, yeah. and it's all about being friends. Yeah, and then and less the record the music. suffers. Yeah. yeah, but then that's why I say it was like as a friend, it was a dark day. Yeah, in in the professional industry, that's normal. If yeah. you don't no. perform, then you're getting kicked out. You know how common it is to have people like it's weird. I, I talked to somebody who said they had seven different features to choose from for their single release, and that wasn't weird at all. I was like, yeah, everybody got cashed out. Yeah. So we just had to choose which one we want and we'll just reproduce new beats for these features we already paid for. And it's like, okay, so literally if one feature that you thought was going to pan out wasn't great, you don't just put out the one that wasn't great. You say, all right, fuck it. Well, let's give this other person a try. Oh, that feature is amazing, but still not fully the vibe. And if you're not talking budgets. Let's say you're talking about people in the industry you meet on Instagram. You're like, hey, can you get 16 bars onto my record? And they really like you. It's okay to not use those 16 bars if it's going to degrade the quality of your record. Absolutely. And I would say that this is human nature. But oftentimes, if the choice is we ignore you and don't tell you that you're off or we tell you you sucked, it wasn't as good as we liked it to be, more often than not, unfortunately... Uh, humans will say not say anything 
They yeah. don't say that they didn't like it. But that's honestly also, it might partially reflect who you are as a person because if I don't want to disappoint you or if you're not the, if I really like you and I know that you cannot handle that I said, you know, you're not as good, which is mostly younger cats. Yeah. Then I'm just going to lie. Well, granted, I'm working on not lying and being a lot more honest with myself, so I won't. I'll, I'd love to be direct. Um, I think that that's very important. But in the industry, you'll see that happen a lot, especially among the younger cats. Older especially cats, when it comes to money. Yeah, and more professional people, I would say, uh, tend to be better about this. Yeah. But I don't know any independent artists that do a feature and then tell the artist directly, yeah, I didn't like that too much. They either release it anyway. Or they don't release it at all. Yeah. And, uh, no, that's not how the industry goes. Just find somebody else. Especially when it comes to there's money on the table and people are investing a certain dollar amount in hopes of getting a return. If the product isn't as good as they were hoping it to be, they're going to make the modifications necessary to essentially try to ensure a return on their product. Yeah, absolutely. So it is very important, again, going back to the major topic here, we kind of covered it many times over. Um, I don't want to say... I do not recommend that you mix your own records because oftentimes that is much more efficient and it's a lot more feasible for budgets. We're just Um, trying to say... If you have the budget for mixing, then definitely there's... You're you're getting paid for not just the technical mixing skill, but you're paying them for their objectivity. Oh, yeah. And and, an objectivity that you can trust. Oh, yeah. Not just some random person's objectivity. So, like... Oh, yeah. Um my biased objectivity versus your biased objectivity. <laughs> Sorry, two oxymorons, like an oxymoron right there. But uh, like for real though, like um, I would say that that's a, that's a big part of it. So uh, take time, take time on your records. And by time, I mean, don't make the process slower. Take a break. Yeah. Take a break. Make the process as fast as possible. You don't have to release it tomorrow. If you didn't plan on releasing anything tomorrow. Like, Amen. realistically, if just because it's a good record doesn't mean you have to release it, like, tomorrow. Final rant! Final rant! I swear on my life, and I don't have any issues. I don't have any issues with this now. Nobody has ever given me grief about this um, because I'm much more advanced in my career. Most people that wor- I work with are also a little bit more advanced in their career. But I swear on my life, dog, that if you say... I can't, I can't move it back. I'm in a rush time because I've already told my fans that we're going to release it on this day and you use that as an excuse to rush me. I will come over and Chinese water torture you and not let you sleep for four days straight and I will not give your revisions back on time. I will not. I will, as a matter of principle, if you rush me because your fans are waiting and you have 12 monthly listeners on Spotify... I will not give you your track, and I will charge you more. That is how that works. I will say, oh, there's a rush fee involved. (laughs) Typically speaking, I do charge a rush fee if they need it within the same week. Um, The funny thing is people forget. Like, If you're trusting a professional to do something, the reason that they're a professional is because they have clients who pay them to get these things done, and that typically means that there's deadlines and everything on the table. So your deadline being more important than the – the current client means that you're going to have to pay more for that importance, that urgency. But if you're hitting up your engineer saying, I need this in two days. Um, Hey, I'm just saying object, uh, objectively speaking, 
I'm the kind of engineer that likes to finish the mix and then not turn it in and until the next day. day after I listened to it with fresh ears and said, wow, that was shit. Let me correct what I thought was shit. The more time you give an engineer, the better it's going to sound. Yeah. All the time. It's not that they're trying to literally delay you and you have to pay for whatever time. Not always. Hold on. I take back what I said. It's not a blanket statement that works always because there's many times where I get a mix and I say, hey, it's going to take three weeks of turnaround time. And I don't even touch it until the two and a half weeks. In. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, that makes up. sense. But like, you know, uh, I was talking about it today with uh, Young, your your engineer with Daltonesia. And um, and uh, like, she's like, oh, I like how you have all your stuff written in your notebook. I'm like, yeah, I have four songs to mix today. I have five to master. And I had to send out revisions for two. Like, we have way too much on our table for you to rush your engineer for your deadlines that you did not communicate in advance without without understanding that you're going to be charged a rush fee. Um, and I'm not trying to do this to flex, but I, I do want to talk about practically here. Uh, and I'm sure that you could count. How many mixes are you deeper? Mi- masters, mixes, songs are you behind right now? Like About 27. Okay. And not, I wouldn't say right behind... But there's there's people that have been waiting track. like three four weeks yeah yeah on track and for me um I have about the same I actually might have like I have an eleven song album that I haven't even started yeah I have a twelve song album that needs to be finished up I have uh, another twelve song album that I haven't even started. <laughs> uh, and then on top of that, I have a single that I'm hoping to knock out tonight during the live stream because mm-hmm. we're recording on Monday. Uh, yeah. You're going to wait a week. Like, yeah. you're going to wait a little while. And yeah. um, and this is partially why we keep raising our prices as well is to try to minimize the wait. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny because um, it's it's not necessarily lost on people the the idea of supply and demand but you know the busier we get it's not like we're going to keep dropping our prices it's actually quite the opposite unless we can find a whole system to back it up with at which point we may be able to but mixing is not one of those things where you can help out 20 people at the same time unless you got 20 engineers working on different mixes at the same time um, with that said, that's something that you could possibly scale as a company down the line, but not as an individual mix engineer. So because of this, if your engineer has two albums to work on and your single needs to come out and it's urgent, you need to communicate it in advance. Let us know deadlines. Let us know expectations. Give us the reference tracks. Do everything that you can to put us in the know so that once we receive the track and you say, hey, it's go time urgent uh, urgency price rate has been paid and this and that well let's go there's not a lot of back and forth communication of like oh well this is what i wanted it to sound like it's like you should have told me that in advance before we wasted time yeah you know there's there's a i guess you could say a whole protocol behind the urgency side of things but realistically speaking if you're mixing your own stuff the greatest thing is that you have time you're not waiting on anybody you're not being delayed by anybody it's all in your own hands but because it's all in your own hands you have to give yourself the same space that you'd give your engineer. If your engineer says, well, I'd like to listen to the reference first a few times and then jump in with mine. But if you're stuck on your demo sound, like we were saying, it's it's the whole vibe thing. We fell in love with it. 
then you've lost objectivity and it's only going to hurt your record. I like that as the kind of the golden rule of thumb about this when mixing your own record. I really like a week. Mm-hmm. I really like a week. If you have time to wait a week, which every independent artist does. Yes. If you're releasing songs every week, that might be the case for the first few weeks. Maybe you come up with one song a week, but uh, Macon had songs that were like two months in advance in production. Like he said, he had songs that he could wait to mix and everything because he already had other songs in the queue. Maybe if you don't have songs in the queue, I get it. But if you got songs in the queue, you have time to wait. Yeah. Um, so I think if you have time, give it a week. Um, and don't listen to the demo for a week. Kind of let it be totally subjective. Forget about it. Leave it in your calendar and let your calendar reminder remind you that you had another song that you were supposed to finish. Listen to Mixing Music Podcast for a week. <laughs> listen to Outdoor podcast for a week. There you go. It's not out yet, so we can't we can't say that yet. What? No. Well. But it, it'll come out. It'll come out. Okay. Uh, we have a new podcast that we're working on that uh, me and uh, some other friends are hosting. It's more general. It's music history, music reviews. So it's it's not as specific about four producers and mixers. We're we're really excited for it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Lou's featured on it as well in the first few episodes. But That's we have a fun episode. Yeah, so on that note, I think this is the perfect time to talk about our sponsor for the podcast. Um, we're really grateful and thankful for our sponsor, Isotope, who has been sponsoring our podcast now for almost six months, for a while now. Um, we're really grateful for Isotope. If you go to isotope.com backslash podcast, um, you'll, you'll find a 10% off gift code, a code for 10% off. Or and or your first month free for their monthly production bundle, their monthly system that they have, which is really great. Uh, we use Isotope products on every single one of our mixes and our masters and oh, our yeah. productions. Um, I've seen everybody uses it, and they're a very world-renowned, highly regarded uh, plug-in company, obviously because they have enough money to sponsor us. So <laughs> <laughs> if they're doing that well, I mean, there's a reason for it. Yeah, um, you don't exactly get a marketing budget if you're doing terribly. Yeah, there you go. And I don't know <laughs> if they'd like us talking about this stuff, but uh, for real though, like we, there is definite bias, and we definitely love their stuff. How about this? Just try ozone, and then call me later. And if you don't like it, you can yell at me for two minutes straight, uninterrupted. <laughs> I'm gonna take you up on a loop. Okay, good. I'm just gonna yell at you for two minutes straight. I'm gonna complain. You're just about, gonna You're just gonna claim to complain. I'm gonna. About I'm it. gonna complain about how McDonald's ice cream machines are always broken. And I'm gonna just tell you for two minutes straight. <laughs> uh, how the sweetie uh, burger just is just a burger. <laughs> it's, it's just a Big Mac, damn it! <laughs> it's, it's just an altered. It's just it's it's a custom order burger that they're like, you know what? That tasted okay. Um, I guess we can mass produce that one. <laughs> I guess. Uh, so on that note, thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you're listening on Apple Music, uh, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, it goes a long way. It really helps us to grow. Um, we've been doing really well. We have tens of thousands of listeners every month. And we're so very grateful for all of your support. Seriously, guys. Um, over the time on this, such a niche. This is such a niche topic, and I'm really proud to be able to. Um, me and Lou are just so proud to be able to uh, be honored by having you li- be honored by y'all that are listening right now, and and we're grateful for Vintage King who put out an email uh, oh, yeah. article Shout about out to VK. us. Yeah, who put out an email about us 
being one of the top podcasts to listen to for music production. Um, and we're gearing up for our next level of interviews and uh, news. And we're trying to be, we're getting a lot of your advice. We keep getting advice for trying to give more technical advice during the podcast. So we're trying to keep this around. If you have any topics that you like to share with us, go to mixingmusicpodcast.com, join our Discord through that website, or from our uh, Instagram, either at my Instagram, at DK Mixes, or Lou, at Midside Sound. Do you have oh, the yeah. Discord for the Mixing Music Podcast on there? I should, yeah, I should. Okay, we both should. And then, uh, uh, if not, you can go to mine and join the Discord where there's a bunch of other people too, and we read those, and we get a bunch of, we do take in um, advice or some feedback from y'all, and we're really grateful. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. One, two, three. Are you tired of using Google Drive or Dropbox to send files to clients? Well, never get burned again with FilePass. I love and use FilePass exclusively for sending files to my clients. It's a cloud file sharing website specifically made by engineers for engineers. It's absolutely amazing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash FilePass to check out the full feature list and subscribe today. Never lose another dime to burned projects. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.